Thank you very much. Mr. Kaysen, what percentage of the total land-based accounts have you examined, roughly? The part that we've been looking at, Mr. Chairman, is the electronic-era accounts now. They're the 1985 to 2000. Our estimate is that they represent about 70% of the accounts that we intend to look at under our plan. Um, for What's the those percentage of the total accounts? Total accounts uh, since 1887? Uh, we don't know. No one knows. As far as I know, there is no list ever compiled of all account accounts over the last 118 years. No one knows. How much money have you spent on examining land-based accounts? Um, I, I don't have a specific figure. Overall, we've spent about $100 million looking at individual accounts broken into the efforts that I mentioned earlier. You provide that for the record. For yes. Us. How much money do you think it will cost to complete the land-based accounts? The estimate that we had in our plan uh, that we submitted to Congress for the accounting that we intended to do was $335 million. Uh, the cost of the accounting looks like it may be a little bit more than that, uh, but we haven't revised any figures for pending discussions about how we resolve our accounting duties and obligations. Mr. Swimmer, we, uh, I think it was the 108th Congress, we uh, called for two mediators to work to try to solve this. You remember that? Two highly qualified individuals. What happened? I think what happened is that uh, any, any mediation needs to work toward a, a middle point uh, and eventually get the two parties together. <laughs> the information that has been generated thus far is that there could be uh, millions of dollars uh, in discrepancies in the Indian Trust funds over 100 years. It's not evident that there was, as Mr. Kaysen said, wholesale fraud at the bureau level. Money came in, money went out, and that was the basis of the accounting that was ordered. Money came in, money went out. It wasn't for estimating what should have come in. If, if I leased my minerals for uh, X dollars and I think I should have gotten X plus one, uh, the point is X went into your account. The plaintiffs, on the other hand, uh, have set a number based on $13 billion that we generally both agree came into the trust, their position is none of it went out, that none of it got paid. And if you add interest to that over those period of times, you come up with $170-plus billion. When you start at $170-plus billion and what could be millions that, that could be assessed and you're trying to reach a middle point, I really believe that the mediators were unable to bring that together, to bring the two parties closer together than that. Do you have an idea as to what a lump sum payment would be, Mr. Kaysen, under our proposal? <laughs> uh, no, you're, uh, no, Mr. Chairman. It would depend on the assumptions that you make. If we use the facts that we've found so far in the accounting process, the number would be very, very low. If you looked at the assumptions that Ross just talked about, the number would be very, very high. We don't think that the facts that we have thus far would support a very high number, but there is uncertainty and risk associated with, as you mentioned, Mr. Chairman, in your opening statement, that as we go further back, depending on the size of the job and how we frame the job, what exactly has to get done, what we look at, 
the, there is risk and uncertainty and uh, 100 years' worth of activity, if that's what we have to look at. Finally, uh, suppose that Senator Dorgan's in my proposal gains no traction and you know, there's just opposition to it from all sides, so we move on to other issues. As we mentioned, we have a number of other issues. It seems to me there's a great deal of uncertainty in the courts, given the record of a district court judge making certain decisions and then that being over, overturned by an appellate court. It, then it seems to me that, uh, understandably, people who are involved in litigation may want to carry it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, since there seems to be divisions of opinion at the lower court level. Is that is that a is that a logical uh, sequence of events here? Well, Mr. Chairman, in my opinion, if we are not successful with this effort, it will be a great opportunity lost. We have been in court for nine years. I don't think we're any closer to a resolution now after nine years than we were when we started. I think you're right that there's uh, several rounds of up and down through the district court, court of appeals, and eventually the Supreme Court if we have to go down that pathway. And at this point, the time and effort spent going down that pathway doesn't look very productive if there's another alternative, which I'm hopeful this bill will provide us. Russ? Uh, I would agree with Mr. Kaysen. I would say that based on the expenditures to date for the litigation, which exceed $100 million, uh, we're looking at another four to $500 million just in litigation expense. So I think there's obviously some room for, for some uh, value to be put on this in the legislation. Senator Dorgan. Mr. Kaysen, to the extent that you know, what is the size of the class in the Cobell v. Norton case? Um, some say 200,000, some say 500,000 individuals. What's your sense of that? At, at this point, it's undefined. What we have from the court is a generic reference to current and former account holder, IIM account holders, but we haven't had any more spe specific definition of that. There are some parameters of time frame. Uh, the numbers would change. If you say a statute of limitations will apply, which the district court doesn't say applies, or if you say, well, I want to take accounts from the 1970s or 50s or 30s, uh, some people believe that the operative date would be 1938 when the, um, the Supreme Court referred to that date, and it's also in the 1990, I'm sorry, the Court of Appeals referred to that date, and it's also in the 1994 Act, and the district court judges says 1887. At this point, we don't have any clear definition as to who would be covered and who would not be covered. Mr. Kaysen, you told me once about a particular parcel of land. You were trying to make a point about fractionated ownership. Yes. A particular parcel of land, uh, I think maybe it was 2,000 acres at the Wapaton Sisseton tribe. Can you recount that for me? Um, I, I've had several examples, but... Uh, in particular, I, I have one tract of land that's been pointed out to me by our staff that the smallest individual interest is one ten billionth of an interest. And if you take a typical allotment, uh, most of them are 40 acres or 80 acres or 160 acres, it amounts to a very, very tiny, small amount of uh, undivided interest in a property. And the point that I was making with you is that as a result of fractionation, we have huge complications in running this trust that instead of the 100,000 allotments that we have, we have 2.5 to 4 million ownership interests, depending on what you count, 
that we have to keep track of. And uh, doing all the land title work for all of those things and the implications for leasing and the implications for probate puts us in a position that the way the trust is currently framed for individual lotsees, we end up wasting a lot of money because we have to do administrative processing on interest that are uh, of very low value or no value. Interest payments of one cent or four cents. Yes. I, I think you described to me a uh, piece of land that uh, produced uh, two, was it $2,000 worth of revenue and cost $42,000 yes. for the yearly accounting to keep track of the fractionated ownership. Yes. The reason I make that point is to describe, I assume, how difficult historical accounting is and how time-consuming and, and uh, how much money it's going to take. Mr. Swimmer, you said that if this continues through the courts to its conclusion, you think upwards of a half a billion dollars of additional legal fees, $500 million of additional legal fees? Accounting and legal. Accounting and legal fees. Accounting and legal, and most of that, well, that's what the money is going for now is to, to do the historical accounting and to uh, perform the the uh, various orders of the court, as well as to pay the attorneys, both sides, for uh, the effort that they're putting into the case. But that wouldn't re reflect the cost of the the uh, uh, larger historical accounting if you were to go th be required, as the court uh, seems to suggest, and go through the entire uh, historical accounting uh, effort. I assume that the costs are much, much higher. It, it could be. Uh, we've estimated, I believe, as high as uh, in excess of $10 billion dollars. If you were to do a transaction, if you took the 2,000 owners of the of the 160-acre track, every time that's leased, you have 2,000 transactions because each account, each owner has to have an account set up. Whatever the money, if it's less than a penny, it's rounded up to a penny, goes into the account, and then when that person uh, passes on, we have to do a probate for that that particular person, even though it's one ten billion. So. I mean, there are structural reforms that need to be done with the trust, and certainly the effort at the fractionation interest that, that you all have worked on before has been very helpful. I think will be helpful in the future and been helpful. Just, just one final point. Uh, Mr. Kaysen, you indicated that uh, in some of the uh, accounting uh, efforts that you've made, the, the results show little, if any, error, uh, and yet most of us have read of devastating anecdotal accounts of uh, uh, not, not, not just errors, but fraud, manipulation in various parts of the country over many years. Uh, how does that square with your assessment that you take some accounts and take a look at it and you find little, very little error? Um, it, it doesn't. In terms of separating the rhetoric from fact, we have not found that in the accounting that we've done. But I, I think it's also fair to say that we haven't looked at all accounts everywhere. Uh, we started with a priority of doing the accounts that are relatively new that had balances. And maybe there's something different about those than the ones in the past. Where we're potentially different um, in how the two sides refer to this is uh, I take the position that until I've actually done the accounting and have some indicator one way or the other as to what the actual facts are, uh, I don't project one way or the other what I would find. Based on the areas that we've actually looked and found the facts, what we have found is a few errors, and they're small, and they're on both sides of the ledger where we've overpaid the Indian account holder, underpaid the Indian account holder, and that when you net it out, it's very close to zero relatively. 
Um, so it suggests that we haven't found any systemic fraud, we haven't found any systemic accounting errors in our systems. Uh, as Ross said, we do balance our accounts daily now. And so for that period, 1985 to 2000, that we're looking at principally, we haven't found material problems. It's possible before that that there may be problems. Well, then I think I understand the, the basis for your comment. I mean, I, the fact is this goes back a long, long way with unscrupulous land agents and a whole series of fascinating and in some ways devastating stories. But um, I think I understand why you say little error if you're just talking about a, a few accounts in a relatively short recent time frame. Um, Mr. Chairman, um, I indicate to you we have a series of five votes, the first of which will start in just a moment. When that first vote starts, I will run over and cast my vote and come back so we can continue the hearing. But I think that the third, fourth, and fifth votes will be ten-minute votes, but we'll have to see how that goes. But I just wanted to mention that when the buzzer rings for the first vote, I will leave and then come back so we can retain the hearing uh, as scheduled. Thank you very much. Senator Johnson. Yes, Mr. Mr. Kaysen, I, I wonder if uh, you, the Department of Interior, would, would address uh, the specific bill, S-1439. Uh, have you taken a position on this legislation, and uh, would you share any further elaboration or critique of the bill? Um, the administration hasn't provided a statement of administration position on the bill yet. Uh, as you know, Senator, we just got it last Thursday. So we have uh, looked at the bill, and given the uh, nature of the COBEL litigation, there's lots of people in the administration who are interested in this legislation and the prospect for resolving the issues. I would say generally for all the people that I've talked to within the administration, uh, people have been positive about the effort uh, hopeful about the leadership being shown by this committee to try and address the issue. There are a few issues uh, which we would like to discuss further with the committee and uh, further deliberations of the bill, but overall we've been positive. Thank you. No further questions here. Thank you very much. Thank you for appearing today, and it's good to see you again. Nice to see you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you.